Buenos días. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to listen to your word. We ask, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit may illuminate all of our being to be attentive, receptive to your word, that it may go into our hearts and pour out through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Admitting that you have to turn back is hard. Especially when you're the one driving. My wife has a knack for calling me out when I'm going the wrong way. I would love to tell you a funny story that about a time when we were driving somewhere and I decided to take what I'm calling an alternate route. The story would at some point describe Gesseling saying something along the lines of, you sure this is the right way? Wasn't the exit the one we just passed? Before she would even finish asking that, I would respond by saying, how many times have we done this? Trust me. I know where I'm going. Then, of course, in this hypothetical story, to be clear, <laughs> it would unfold when I realized that I've noticed one too many new things on the road. But, of course, I continue driving. I'm not about to turn around now, right? I mean, we'll do that. Turning around would be admitting I'm wrong and having to deal with some serious snark from my beloved wife. So I continue driving. There has to be another way to get to the place we're going, right? This hypothetical story that I would tell you would conclude that, well, of course there isn't another way. After admitting to myself that indeed there is no other way, I would swallow my pride, pull into a parking lot or the following exit, do a U-turn, and backtrack the 10 miles that I've passed in order to get back on the correct route. You know, the one that Kesseling originally said. The story would end by me, me, my, by me being extremely quiet for the next 15 minutes. And Kesseling would be smiling. I was trying to come up with a specific story that would describe something like this. But there are too many. There are so many that I started mixing them up with one another. Unfortunately, there have been many times that I've been headed the wrong way and not been humble enough to admit it. Turning back can be hard. It's acknowledging that one is wrong. It's coming to terms that there are no other ways to get where you're going. It takes a lot to admit it. And the further one goes the other way, the harder it may be to turn back. 
The people of Israel weren't necessarily on a trip. Actually, they were finally in the place they always wanted to be. They were in Zion. The name Zion is often used to refer to, uh, to Jerusalem. In fact, it's used in the Bible in different ways, sometimes even referring to a specific mountain. Most scholars believe that the prophecies in the book of Joel took place after the people had returned from being in exile. They were in the holy city and, and thought they were exactly where they were supposed to be. Zion was where God was. The walls of Jerusalem had been rebuilt by this point, and now God had God's own rightful place at the center of the community. Everything appeared to be where it was supposed to be. Zion was again the place of worship, the place where God spoke from, and the place where the people went to truly worship God. By all intents and purposes, they were already at their destination, the place they were supposed to be. The people of Israel at this time were under Persian rule, and it's believed that at least initially this brought a sense of security. After so many years of spending in war and in exile, they were home. However, the people appeared to be getting comfortable, a little too comfortable. I often wonder about this. I wonder about being Christians in a country that has vast amounts of material wealth. Those that have it get, it com get comfortable with a lifestyle that provides for every last need and then some. Those that don't have it strive for it and do everything possible to obtain it. Those that don't may sometimes live lives in disappointment for not being able to make it. I wonder about this and how our obsession with wealth, or what can become an obsession with wealth, can drive us away from God because it seems to want to take the place of the security and peace that is ultimately given by God. The problem is intensified when greed takes over and obtaining more becomes the norm and goal of life. There is an obsession with obtaining and maintaining wealth and power at all costs. We all know this. We hear about it every time we turn on the news. It's possible that this is what the people of God were experiencing. Their comfort and the maintenance of it had become a source for life instead of focusing on the source of life. All of a sudden, like a siren that wakes you up in the middle of the night, a trumpet is sounded. It gets the people's attention. Something important is about to be proclaimed. The day of the Lord is coming. Yet, it isn't the type of day of the Lord the people may have been expecting. Instead of being the apocalyptic moment when Israel's enemies were finally going to be judged, the ones being judged were the people of Israel themselves. This scenario is critical. Darkness will be hovering over the land and a great army will come. It is perhaps the announcement of a future war. 
It was not going to be pretty. The proclamation of God through the prophet Joel was making it clear that options were dwindling. Something terrible was about to come, and there was little the people could do to stop it. But then, then we get to verse 12. Its first few words are like the first rays of sun at the break of dawn, or better yet, like the 32nd seconds of sun and blue skies we get during a typical gray winter day in Michigan. Yet, even now, even now when all seemed lost, even now when there were no possibilities, God calls out. There is a call to return to God. Now this is fascinating because according to their understanding, they were already close to where the very presence of God was. However, the call the, the calling from God to return was different. When I say to return, it's important to remember that this is a phrase that actually means repentance. To return is to admit that where one is heading is wrong, and one must return to God by repenting. Kind of like my hypothetical story when I took the wrong way. I needed to repent and acknowledge that I was going the wrong way and turn back. The interesting thing is that repentance was not a foreign concept for the people of Israel. They were very used to doing rituals and presenting offerings that were to show their repentance. Yet, this was different. The prophet was not calling for a rendering of one's clothes, which was a sign of remorse, of mourning. We're familiar with the biblical stories and, and movies of men kind of slashing their, their clothes. The prophet is actually calling for a rending of one's heart. The returning to God needed to be a complete one with one's whole being, not just an external ritualistic act, but one that dug deep inside the heart, the place where emotions and ideas come together. In spite of all the doom and gloom, and actually rather unexpectedly, on the other side of the journey was going to be a God that was gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Just then, yet even now, as the text tells us, there was the possibility of returning to the right path, the one that would get us where the people were supposed to go. Yet even now, friends, even today, even when we get farther away from God by seeking other things that may, we think may give us security, comfort, and a false, false sense of hope, even now, the trumpet is blowing and God calls us to return. Return to grace and mercy to a God that is abounding in steadfast love. This is what we began this past week on Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday inaugurates the season of the church year where we anticipate an unexpected appearance. 
The unexpected appearance of Jesus rising from the dead on Easter morning. That is our journey during the time of Lent. It is a time when we render our hearts and dig deep. We dig deep to recognize that the only path to real peace, security, and well-being is solely found in God. That hypothetical story I mentioned was, of course, not the last time we traveled. And actually, it wasn't the last time, if of course it ever happened, that I went the wrong way. Yet, I joke about it, but my wife was there to help me see the right way. I needed someone to help me get on the right path and experience grace and mercy. You see, one of the most powerful things about this text is that the rendering of hearts is not exclusively a personal, individualistic thing. It is to be done in community. God calls everyone from the babies that were just born to the elderly in the community. Even newlyweds were called to this communal act of heart rendering. We cannot and should not do this alone, friends. This journey is to be taken in community. We do have some practices already that lead to this. Every week, we confess our sins during, together during worship. Every year we celebrate Ash Wednesday to remember that we are dust and to dust we shall return. Every moment we give things up or take on new practices during Lent, we are re being reminded that we ultimately depend on God, not on ourselves, to get where we are going. This is why things like corporate worship and yes, Pastor Angela, sermon-based small groups, which you should register now if you haven't already. They're all of vital importance, especially during this time of year. The world we live in is one that is constantly assuring us that it can offer exactly what we need in order to live a great life. On a daily basis, we make decisions that may pull us away from God. It may seem almost impossible to do, not to do so because it's all around us. Yet, even now, even when we think there is no way out, even when situations are bleak, we hold to the truth that God's forgiveness is on the horizon. For the grace of God abounds in steadfast love. As we begin our journey to Jerusalem and the cross, we must be prepared to meet the God that always defies our expectations. We must be prepared to meet the God that always defies the expectations of the world. Friends, as we journey through life, on our journey through life, may we rend our hearts May we open ourselves deeply and entirely to a God that calls us, even now. May we rend our hearts to God, to experience a God full of grace and mercy, and abounding in steadfast love. Amen and amen.